0: It is hard to argue against the idea that the world is built upon connection. From the tiniest atoms to nature and even technology, everything in our world depends on its relationship to others. Studies into human relationships tell the incredible story of the power of connection. Positive, healthy human relationships are linked to better mental and physical health outcomes. In today's busy world, we are asked to connect to others on a regular basis. And yet, there is often little understanding of the vast impacts our interactions have. Welcome to Season 2 of NFCC's Guide Through the Seasons of Mental Wellness. Where we dive into some of the most common, as well as a few overlooked, relationships we experience in a lifetime. I am your host, Tracy Lehman, and I am honored to be a part of your day. Let's get into today's episode dating, engaged, married, life partners, soulmates. Loves. For some, hearing these words brings positive feelings of safety, comfort, and visualizations of fairy tale endings. But more than often, the reality of relationships is more work than romance. The pressures increase when you throw in money, household management, careers, and children into the mix of a long term monogamous relationship. So how can we maintain a healthy connection with our partners or survive a relationship difficulty? In this episode, Dr. Laura Spiller joins me to talk about finding balance in our partnerships so that we can continue to grow together or recognize when we've grown too far apart. Dr. Laura Spiller is a clinical psychologist who owns Heights Couples Therapy and co-owns Wellness Collaborative in Houston, Texas. She specializes in helping individuals and couples strengthen their relationships and connect deeper to those they care about. After studying at the University of Houston and the University of Oklahoma Health Sciences Center, she earned her PhD in psychology, and went on to train other graduate students as a professor for 10 years before shifting to her private practice full time dr spiller is also a certified practitioner and trainer for emotionally focused couples therapy an attachment based and well researched model of couples therapy as a couples therapist she is inspired to guide couples to make their relationships a safe haven which they can navigate any storm This comes from both her work and personal experience after walking beside her late husband during a five-year battle with a rare stomach cancer. Dr. Spiller hopes to pass on the gift of making the most of the time couples have together to everyone she works with. Welcome, Dr. Spiller. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you Tracy. Excited to be talking about this really important topic. How do we have more love in our life? Yes, so how do we manage relationships? Cuz man, are they work? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> so, you have this wonderful story about reconnection with your husband during a really difficult time. Could you share a little bit about your own journey and how it has influenced your work with couples?
1: Absolutely. It's actually quite meaningful. Today would be our 27th wedding anniversary. Oh,
2: wow. So we
1: were married in, um, on January 7th in 1995. Oh, wow. um, and uh, he actually passed away just a week before our 20th
2: wedding anniversary.
1: Okay. Um, so it's been about seven years, been seven years since, mm-hmm. since he died. Uh, and I you know can't understate what an impactful thing it was in our marriage, like so many couples You know, the um, disease kind of entered our lives at a point where we were under a lot of stress, dual career. Um, At that point, I was commuting an hour each way to my academic job, which was also a tenure track, you know, working to get tenure and just, you know. And we had two small kids. Um, At that point, my boys were three and eight when he was first diagnosed. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty stressful time in in a couple's lifespan small kids, dual career, it's a lot. There's always yeah, so much that needs to be done mm-hmm. and there's never enough time mm-hmm. and the tendency we all have when our heart, you know, says to us, where's my person? Why is this so hard? You know, mm-hmm. it's, sort of, it's to start blaming and to develop resentment and we kind of, we were in some, you know, had that too. Yeah. And definitely struggles with that, um, trying to stay connected with with all this other stuff cluttering up our life. And so when he was uh, first diagnosed, I mean, it's just such a vivid image in my mind. Um, I can just picture, you know, being in that gastroenterologist office when we knew something was going on. Um, it was in July of uh, 2010. At first, they thought it was fourth, uh, stage four stomach cancer. Mm-hmm. So just the gut punch of that, knowing what that was. And I can remember that night, I mean, crying together, I mean, just up all night, but you know, at that point, holding each other. I mean, it doesn't take much for your perspective to shift and sort of realize that, you know, this resentment over, you know, of course, important misses. I mean, you know, definitely we feel alarms in our relationship because we need our person to be there, and when we have trouble finding them, it's hard. Yeah, and a lot of that just sort of fades away, some I mean, it makes it easy. I mean, we were able to reach each other more. We were able to be less. Concerned. I mean, I know I would be so resentful about, you know, he wouldn't, you know, he might clean the kitchen, but he would actually not wipe down any of the counters, right? <laughs> but whether the counters are wiped down just really aren't as important. Um, right. You realize if well, I want the time that's left with my partner, yeah. you know, to be just dis- full of disconnection because we can't communicate or state our needs or expectations of each other or you know, be willing to turn and risk reaching even when it's really hard. So that perspective changes. And then it also, you know, I was really fortunate that my clinical work and all my training I was doing, you know, really had learned a lot about mindfulness and the power of accessing and holding and having and tolerating emotion. And that really helped me to, to open my heart to all that we were experiencing so I could be close to him. I mean, during mm-hmm. this most painful time. I mean, I cannot tell you how hard that last year was. I mean, we knew um, we'd exhausted all medical treatments. I mean, we knew that there was nothing else could, that could be done. And we had probably 10 to 11 months where, you know, he was sliding towards the uh, the end. And I mean, that's just the hardest thing I've ever done, watch somebody I love so much say goodbye to the things that he loved and the people that he loved. It was just excruciating. Yeah. But if you can't feel that pain, right, then the alternative is having to shut it down or shut it out or escape it or, or move away from it, which means moving away from him. Yeah. Um, so it was really a practice in feeling his pain and my pain and just trying to be in it together so that we could be close and we could be there for each other. I think of it as bearing witness. And so it did really affect me. I mean, I was uh, we were living in North Texas at the time and um, after he passed, I came back to Houston. To be near my parents, so um, I would have help, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and I knew that um, I'd been doing research on relationships. So I'd always, you know, I've been you know, re- relationships have always been my area of interest and expertise. And um, but I wanted to put that more into practice to, you know, help people
2: mm-hmm. be
1: able to make sure that they can turn to their partner and have that safe base when they're going through these challenges of life because it really doesn't change the fact that it's tragic, but it really has, it changes the impact of that tragedy
2: yeah.
1: and lets it be something that's connecting and meaningful,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: rather than just solely terrible. Yeah. So um, when I came back to Houston, you know, I did want to find ways to be able to help other people find that, um, navigate those, those times. And that took me um, looking to even the literature to find out, you know, where's, what's most helpful for couples.
0: And so yeah. hard. So
1: hard. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think the things
0: that are asked of us in relationships are so necessary. We're going to get into that, but also just so hard mm-hmm. right? because the level of pain we have to experience to do that, you know, I mean, there's beauty and joy, and then there's also that pain there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. The person we love can scare the out crap us. out of us yeah, um, <laughs> and hurt us, you know,
2: Yeah,
1: and to love, we have to be open and vulnerable, which means that we are risking hurt pain. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we are not good at that. No, it, it, we're, no, we're not. Exactly. We're not wired for that at all. Right. Um, yeah. We are not wired to feel discomfort. No. And we are
0: definitely not uh, mm-hmm. wired to take risks that really could threaten our survival. Yes. So there's a lot of different ideas for marital success. And you mentioned um, emotionally focused couples therapy, which, you know, I also am a big proponent of, and you have been helping me in my learning mm-hmm. also. Can you tell me a little bit about how you view marriage and or relationships in general? I don't want to just say marriage because not everyone is married, but any partnership. What value do you think the other relationship models have versus yours?
1: So don't I first talk about what how EFT, Emotionally Focused Therapy, thinks of what makes couples distressed mm-hmm. and how we go about helping them get back to, to safe and sound mm-hmm. together and then we can talk about you know where that's different with other models and you know how as therapists we can bring it, we bring in other perspectives into into our work yeah, yeah. and in EFT you know it's really you know it, you know, you mentioned marriage there it's not it's it's you know true of marriage that it gives us a sense of security
2: mm-hmm. but we
1: can have security in all kinds of, of intimate close relationships and uh, secure it's about security it's about that sense of being able to access my most important person
2: mm-hmm.
1: and know and depend that they're going to respond in a caring way when I am in need of them
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that 's security you know are you there for me and being able to answer that question with a you know confident yes mm-hmm. and so emotionally focused therapy sees just uh, relationship distress being in that state where things have happened so that we are unsure of our partner's responsiveness. You probably, you know, have heard about attachment styles and attachment theory. Um, attachment is the theory of, you know, that underlies emotionally focused therapy and we all have a subset of our nervous system that's dedicated to our attachments. And so there's this way in which we're kind of always asking the question, are we okay? Are we okay? Are we okay? Mm -hmm. Um, And when there's repeated signals of, "Uh uh-oh, no, no, there's a risk of disconnection, there's a risk Mm -hmm. of conflict, there's a sense of um, not being understood or not being met when you have a need or a concern that really would be better handled in connection with your partner. Then that sets us up for this state of kind of, you know, sometimes we would even use the phrase attachment panic, but mm-hmm. of feeling really off balance. It's really uncomfortable mm-hmm. when we are all of our cues are telling us things are not okay between me and my person.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's kind of how emotionally focused therapy thinks about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Other models, of course, kind of take, you know, some of that into account also. But I think one of the big differences that that Sue Johnson's EFT model added was that that we're not necessarily just starting with, hey, here's what successful couples do. Even communication skills training. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of research that couples who are satisfied and happy have good communication skills when they interact with each other. Mm -hmm. And there's been this effort to train distressed couples to use you know, good communication skills. And I can speak from experience. When we were distressed in our relationship, I sure as hell did not want to use I statements. Mm-hmm. I mean, when our alarms are going off and we don't trust, you know, that our person really is there for us,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, it's really hard to get motivated to, to put the effort and the energy into crafting just the perfect way of saying something yeah. um, using good communication skills. Yeah. And I think even that, that example speaks to what gets in the way, and it's the emotion. Yeah, it's Really hard when your alarm bells are going off to be able to kind of slow down and have softened startup. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think um, and who what, wants
0: to have softened startup with somebody you
1: when you want to you. bop them in the head is what you want to do, right? <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> um, so it's hard stuff, yeah. right? And so what um, emotionally focused therapy does is to help couples see how the emotion is coming up and what they're doing with it and how it's shaping their, their responses, interactions, and help them be able to you know, really feel those emotions mm-hmm. and talk about the emotions themselves.
2: Yeah.
1: So they have another alternative in the kind of more protective strategies Yeah. that are more natural to to all of us. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, I think it's all natural. So I look at everything through the attachment lens, mm-hmm, same as mm-hmm. you and when i'm thinking about you know what you were just saying the communication skills like what gottman does or or the different trainings out there and i think they all have value i think psychoeducation of course has value in fact i use psychoeducation by using it in this way our brain what they talk about is how our brains built for survival right mm-hmm. and the part that can say oh i want to soften or oh i need to do step one step two that logical part is the very top of our brain right that cortex that doesn't finish developing until 25 to 30 right but that part of the brain shuts down immediately under threat. It's Offline. Right? Yeah. And so then we're in the So the next level down is our emotional part of our brain. And then the more you go down, the more you shut down. And mm-hmm. the more you become a threat to your partner and your partner is a threat to you. And we're supposed to be the tribe and community that protect each other. Mm-hmm. Right? What do you do when you're betrayed by the person who's supposed to have your back? You go into survival mode. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's no softening. But if you can talk about I'm feeling right vulnerable scared
1: my heart's Um, racing right now
0: right yeah something relate something like that then maybe we don't shut down our brain as much and maybe if we get to a place of stability or Mm -hmm. if we believe that person we can always say yes this is my person Mm -hmm. they are there for us Mm -hmm. we have that secure Mm -hmm. attachment base maybe we don't go offline anymore right yes 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 yeah and so I've just found that so things fit so well with the EFT model, which is mm-hmm. why I love it so much. Mm-hmm. It's just the research just fits right with mm-hmm. where it mm-hmm. where it's going.: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think that you know other models emphasize maybe, you know, meaning, how you make meaning, and that's that's still a part of EFT, right? If you have yeah. a I mean, just what you said, if you can understand that when my partner goes quiet and shuts down, right, they are scared. Is a very different sense than they don't care about me
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they're trying to make me go away. Yeah. So even that that validation that you're giving, kind of this is so natural and normal, and this happens. Like we shut down when when our person's you know, not there and then we're in survival mode,
2: mm-hmm. can
1: also modify you know, the the experience of those disconnecting moments. But we can't do it. You know, it's not enough. Yeah. Without learning how to be able to feel your feelings
2: mm-hmm.
1: and talk about them,
2: mm-hmm. and know
1: that your partner cares about your feelings, yeah, and can hear it, and mm-hmm. that you're both able to feel your feelings and the other person's feelings, yeah, it's hard to it hold is. your own discomfort and your, your, your person's discomfort, yeah, and so that's where the you know other strategies that help you stretch the container for what we feel, right? Be it mindfulness mm-hmm. or other somatic experiencing you know, really mm-hmm. can can be an important part of that, you know, helping people to be present yes. and engaged yeah. with their person in those key moments of need. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: and it's hard. I mean, even as parents with our kids, it's, it's I mean, this. Is, I feel like this is so applicable just across, you know, everything. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, and Dan Siegel, um, are you familiar with Dan Siegel? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm yes. I'm sure you are. Yeah. So Mindsight, that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. That's not my other book although it is a really good book it, it's in my top five but that being able to take slow down enough to look inside
2: mm-hmm. so
0: that you can say what am i responding and reacting to and what's actually happening in the room that go inside come outside kind of thing which yes. we do we direct couples any of to literally do mindset
1: absolutely right yeah. and to be able to share it with their partner yeah when i'm showing this on the outside mm-hmm. when i'm feeling on the inside is this
0: yeah and i think something about our role in the room. And, you know, being an individual therapist, it's still, you need to develop trust and know how to go under but it's such a different, the need for trust, the way that we have to navigate it is so different because it's Mm -hmm. not just us in the room, it's somebody in the room who can take the information when we're vulnerable in the room and use it against us. And I think that is a very scary thing that maybe keeps people from being willing to really engage in couples therapy. And I was wondering if we could speak about how do couples go about taking that risk when they need to and what the therapist's role is in that moment. Yeah. So just to put you
1: on the spot. Yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, one of your questions was right. How do couples know when to go to couples therapy mm-hmm. and you know, just to insert that here too. I think that when you know that you're caught in this pattern and that it's things are only getting harder and harder, Mm-hmm. and you're feeling more and more disconnected and everything that you're trying is making it worse, but that's a good time to go to couples therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people wait a long time to go to couples therapy, Yeah.
2: Do. Um, and the
1: longer you wait and the more hurts accumulate and the wider and wider that gap gets, mm-hmm. I mean, the harder it is. I mean, it just takes more time Yeah. To to see the cycle and the pattern, to get under. You know, the usual way of responding to get, to be, build up the courage and take the risk to be vulnerable with each other and to repair the bond um, and Mm -hmm. strengthen it. So it takes a lot longer the longer people wait. Um, And what you're saying is there's a lot of reasons why people might not go to couples therapy. Yeah. You know, I mean, first there's this stigma against therapy, I mean, and Mm -hmm. your marriage is pretty private.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. And typically, you know, a lot of people feel shame. sense of failure. Why is this such a problem? Why, Mm -hmm. why can't we figure this out ourselves? Yeah. And then there's, you know, I think you're speaking to that vulnerability of this, just, you know, having intimate emotions and experiences, you know, with another person in the room.
2: Yeah.
1: So it's vulnerable to be accessing your emotion and talking about your pain with your partner. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Because usually by the time you're in couples therapy, there's maybe some distrust (laughs) that it's going to be safe Mm -hmm. Um, and you're having to do that with another person a stranger Mm -hmm. right who a lot of people I mean I hear this all the time you know I came into couples therapy expecting you to take my partner's side or that you were going to tell us all the things that we were doing wrong Mm and
2: people have had
1: that experience right and that's true yeah people have had that experience Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and and they really I mean I will say couples therapy is hard um, and it is painful Mm -hmm. but certainly my hope is that the therapist is going to be trying to help them see the value in the discomfort that is just inherent in it. that we can't help them and, and minimize at least provide a safe place and be a safe person for that difficult journey that they're making together. Yeah. Let me, do I answer your question? Yeah. And I think, you know, something that
0: EFT, when you're learning EFT, really pushes is that your goal is to not judge, but to understand. Yeah. Right. That sense of curiosity, that sense of what's actually happening. Something that has really come out of this for me as a therapist in general, every single person, even somebody you might think is a terrible, evil person, every single person's behaviors and actions make sense in the context of their lives.
1: Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that is one of the gifts of emotionally focused therapy and and just attachment theory. Because it tells us that, you know, we are all doing our best.
0: Yeah. We just, we use the tools that we have.
1: Yeah. We're good people with, you know, generally good intentions of wanting to connect or be understood. And the emotions make sense Mm -hmm. and the protective strategies make sense, given the context. Um, And and it's painful that it backfires often and doesn't work in the way that we long for. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's hard. Um, But yeah,
0: that's helped me so much. And I think something I'd love for people to hear. If you're looking for a couples therapist, if you're in couples therapy and you're feeling not good about it, that your therapist should never make you feel ashamed
2: mm-hmm.
0: or
1: judged, that it needs mm-hmm. to be safe, and that each
0: partner needs to be understood and heard.
1: Yes. I mean, the couples therapist's job is to be able to equally get behind the eyes of both partners, mm-hmm. to be able to see the relationship and, and the emotions and the experience of, of both partners equally. In yeah. um, EFT, we always say, you know, we say that there's two truths, right? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and we want to validate and honor the fact that each person has their unique experience of the relationship, and mm-hmm. it, it is valid, and, and we have compassion for it, and mm-hmm. we do our best to understand it equally.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. So that's important. So I'm glad we addressed the, you know, EFT and talked about therapy, but. You know, I really want people to hear what tools or how can they understand mm-hmm. their how can they understand their relationship now? How can they make whatever type of significant, mm-hmm. intimate relationship they're in, work, be aware of it, you know, get things back on track. So, here let's get vulnerable. Okay. So even as a couples therapist myself, somebody who works with relationships, there are definitely times when I feel really disconnected from my husband that maybe I use some really um inappropriate, and I would probably be embarrassed for my clients to see some of the things that I have done in my marriage when I am triggered enough, when I am overwhelmed enough, right, or feeling that, you know, primal panic, that, you know, fear of abandonment, fear of judgment, fear of not being seen for what you have to offer, all Mm -hmm. those things we look for in EFT. So what do you say, what would you say to couples who experience this roller coaster of ups and downs Mm -hmm. in their marriage?
1: I would say, of course you do. (laughs) Right? We're human and we love and it's hard. Um, You know, taking from Sue Johnson, she says, it's impossible to dance closely with someone without stepping on their toes. Oh, yeah. You know, so um, we are going to have step on toes and have our toes stepped on in our intimate, close dances with the people that we love the most. It is a roller coaster. That's kind of the way it is. And just thinking about, I mean, that kind of brings us to thinking about what is Secure connection, right? What, is, what should we be striving for? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to normalize that secure relationships go through little mini cycles all the time of feeling good and connected, of experiencing a disruption mm-hmm. and feeling disconnected, mm-hmm. and then repairing and getting back to connection.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: what we're ho- trying to help our couples do is to have confidence in their ability to repair and get back mm-hmm. to connection. I would like to help you have less disruption, and I certainly would have, like to help you have those disruptions be less volatile, less injuring, less painful. Mm-hmm. But there's no relationship—yours, mine, and you know the the top therapists in the world, like Sue Johnson and John mm-hmm. Gottman—I know that they have fights <laughs> with their with their partners too, because it's just we're bringing together, you know, two, you know, or more people in relationship that have different backgrounds, different histories, different preferences, Mm -hmm. different interests, uh, different world views and Mm -hmm. ways of seeing the world. And so it's, yeah, it's just, there's going to be differences and conflict and difficulty. And in a secure relationship, you have some trust that your partner is going to be accessible Mm -hmm. and respond in a caring way that lets you know that you're important to them. Mm-hmm. And that even if you disagree, that they still care and respect you, care for and respect you, and that they're going to be engaged with you in whatever it is that you're dealing with. They're going to be with you in the trenches of hardship, and they're going to be with you in the, the heights of joy. You're in it together. Yeah. Um, and that kind of helps um, those roller coasters, um, yeah. those roller coaster rides. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's really important. Um, there's, you know, one just like distinction I want to add there. That I mean, if, yes, we've got to have multiple pillars to our foundation, mm-hmm. and our relationship is a core. I mean, we, I mean, my view, right? If we're in a relationship, we kind of can't have a certain firm, firm foundation if that's not balanced, and right, we're gonna have we're gonna be better off if we've got friendships and. For fulfilling, you know, work to do and, mm-hmm. you know, other re- uh, family relationships that mm-hmm. sort of are reciprocal and feel good mm-hmm. most of the time. Yeah. That, that that's going to be something that helps us feel more balanced. And if we can use those things to turn towards our partner, mm-hmm. right, that we're looking at ways of reducing stress to help us turn towards our partner, mm-hmm. to help us be able to take the risk of sharing our vulnerability and needs with our partner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Where my alarm kind of goes off when I hear couples talking about our strategies, stress management strategies mm-hmm. that will help them not have to turn towards their partner.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of times people start to think about, well, you know, when, when they feel that disconnection mm-hmm. and they're starting really to, to experience the distress of, kind of you know, the Answer to the question, are you there for me? Is no. Mm-hmm. Um, that we all, of course, start to think about other ways to to manage our load, yeah.
0: And we can um, only hear um, and that to feel it better. so many times yeah. before we don't want to risk it again, and th-
1: yeah. Right? We want to feel better because that is not does not feel good. Mm-hmm. And so then we start, th- you know, turning towards our friends, turning towards our work, turning mm-hmm. towards you know, sometimes parents, you know, mm-hmm. also for that relief mm-hmm. so that it takes it off and we don't have to need our partner anymore yeah
0: an outside partner
1: right yeah and so outside partners be, yeah right in the worst yeah right and the, yeah kind of one of the least long-term effective strategies is turning to an outside rival partner and then so that can you know set us up for more disconnection
2: yeah yeah
1: so if you having a balanced life and other things in your life um, helps you to be a better partner then that's great mm-hmm. if it's kind of filling the role of the partnership that's kind of when it's like, that's a sign, you know, maybe a sign of going to couples therapy as we were talking yeah. about earlier. Um, yeah. you know, it's a sign that, that this relationship is needs, needs some care. Yeah. You know, some, some, nurturing. You know, some nurturing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's
0: a great disclaimer. I'm glad you put that in there. So when we're talking about this turning towards each other, we're
1: talking about secure
0: attachment.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, can
0: we talk a little bit about what secure attachment means and what the alternatives are to a secure attachment?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I sometimes use a metaphor of like buoys, mm-hmm. you know, that have a tether, you know, that they're tied together. The secure attachment is kind of, you know, like that tether that we can drift apart mm-hmm. because we know, I mean, secure attachment is flexible, mm-hmm. right? When we when we really have confidence that our person is there, that even if we get crossways with each other, that we're going to be able to repair it, that, that we have a sense that they're not, you know, if they're not showing up for us, that it's because they're also afraid of the loss of the relationship.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that that they're not dangerous. You know, it's not that they're bad. It's like that the tether between those two buoys. I mean, we can float away, but those buoys are not going to get separated no, how, no matter how turbulent the waters are. Yeah. Right? That it kind of helps them both, you know, stay together to kind of know that they're going to not drift apart. Yeah. And yeah. so. It'll only let you get so far apart Only lets you get so far apart. You yeah. know, one person's going to, you know, pull in. Yeah. Uh, when, when, there's, you know, when the distance is starting to feel like you know, too much, mm-hmm. um, and you can count on that. Yeah. Uh, that's important. Yeah. yeah. And so then the contrast. And I, will, I just want to preface a lot of the things that we're talking about. You know, if you've had, if you've grown up and had someone that you could count on, these concepts are more familiar,
2: mm-hmm.
1: more easily imagined,
2: mm-hmm. and more
1: easily attained. And it's so heartbreaking and challenging that if you have not mm-hmm. really had core a core person in your life or core people, mm-hmm. or even worse, the ones that are supposed to love you, mm-hmm. or the ones who are dangerous and scary,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and your world and your experience has taught you that you couldn't count on people and the people that were supposed to take care of you would hurt you, these concepts are really hard ones.
2: Mm-hmm. These
1: concepts are really hard ones, and. We do the best we can, mm-hmm. you know, especially when we haven't had a close, caring, nurturing person. We are left alone, usually as kids, mm-hmm. to figure out how to navigate a scary world. Yeah. And we only have a couple basic ways to do that. Yeah. We either figure out ways to kind of turn down our emotion
2: mm-hmm.
1: and our needs for other people. Basically, how can we be okay by ourselves?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and how can we have as few emotional ups and downs so that we don't need other people? Mm -hmm. And that makes complete sense and it is a brilliant survival strategy Mm -hmm. and it can create people with warrior type skills, right? Yeah. Those are the ones that go into battle for us. They, you know, the firefighters, they're the ones, I mean, a lot of times the doctors and lawyers who need to be able to do really hard things and, and be able to have a slow heart rate. You know, Mm -hmm. think logically, Mm -hmm. um, stay balanced, you know, and do the hard work and not, you know, be on as much of an emotional roller coaster. And it makes it harder to be in a close, intimate, connected relationship. The other option that we have, right, when we're trying, you know, to figure out this dangerous, unsafe world is Mm -hmm. to become a fighter. -hmm. Right, to be able um, is to you know engage with the loss Mm -hmm. and turn up the volume and turn up the heat Mm -hmm. and not give up and kind Mm -hmm. of insist on being seen and insist on getting your needs met. And it's again, right, what a beautiful adaptive strategy. I mean, those are the people that go on and change the world, right? A lot of times, you know, Mm -hmm. the ones that don't give up in the fight. I mean, they've kind of learned that if I turn up the heat and the fire enough that, you know, I'm going to make things happen. Mm -hmm. Again, though, right, when you put that into a close, intimate relationship, Mm
2: -hmm. even
1: those best strategies of trying to kind of figure, I mean, I've got partners I work with who are amazingly smart people who read the books and really do have a sense of, like, if this would happen in our relationship, we would feel better. This would be the, this is, this is, this is the solution. Mm -hmm but it comes towards the partner in such a fighting kind of way Mm -hmm. you know a demanding strong kind of way that that person who's trying so hard to get a response right it backfires for them and they get often less of the response that they're longing for rather than more of it so just kind of that
0: pursuer withdrawal right yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah um yeah yeah and, and um most couples therapists use this, this phrase that, the, that you have one person that sort of shuts down or withdraws and one person that protests or pursues. Mm-hmm. And they can be loosely, I mean, there's different people will talk about it in different ways about how loosely or closely tied they are to the attachment styles that are talked about in the attachment literature of avoidant or anxious. I will say, I think I find the, the withdraw and protest uh, more useful because those strategies are going to ha- show up in some flavor even for people with secure attachment.
2: Yeah.
1: So if you're a protester or if you're a withdrawer that doesn't necessarily mean that you have an insecure attachment style. So the insecure attachment styles are almost more of those extremes of those things. Um, you know, avoidant being where the person, you know, the, kind of the the most extreme version of, you know, turning off the need for others. Mm-hmm. Actually feeling much safer and more balanced kind of, when you're taking care of your own needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're, you know, closest in relationship often can feel more threatening than than separation.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and the anxious is being able to enjoy connection, but the pleasure of connection actually creates a fear of loss. Yeah. So that you're yeah. kind of yeah, you know, mm-hmm. abandonment. So you're kind of living in that state of like wanting it but being afraid of it because you might lose it, and so that can be, you know, difficult too. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: I think. Um When I did my first EFT training, what comes to mind for me is the thoughts that people have in response to the way their partner responds to them or turns to them, right? It's like, I'm afraid they're going to see that I'm not good enough and I know I'm not good enough kind of thing, that like Mm -hmm. internal insecurity or that like external projection of, I have a skill here. Why aren't you turning to me? Why don't you trust me and depend on me,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what comes out a lot in in people I work with. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, underneath each of those styles, there's kind of an attachment fear. Yeah, you know um, that either somehow I'm not, gonna, I'm going to be lacking. I'm not going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, something about me gonna is going to, you know, hurt hurt you, and or you're going to know right,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: or that I'm not important, you know, or worth
2: mm-hmm.
1: your love or care or attention. Yeah. Um, can kind of underlie the the more protesting style yeah. of yeah. getting your one's needs met.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of being in a relationship, I think a lot of all the things in life we talk about, but are about knowing yourself a little bit too, Mm -hmm. right? Knowing what your Mm -hmm. beliefs like that awareness piece. Yeah. I talk a lot about how, you know, in Western society, there's this go, go, go. Like you want to be successful, you always want to be doing, you know, don't have downtime. I think that's kind of shifting a little bit, but, you know, work until you know your fingers bleed kind of idea like go 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 all the time always be busy mm-hmm. and that doesn't give us room to really know what's going on inside ourselves that that's puts a- us in survival mode yeah and so we have no we lose i think in that busyness that self awareness and so i think that's where mm-hmm. that self work really comes in that we need in relationships because mm-hmm. if you know that you either a have a belief that i should go back to those two styles that i just talked about that you have a belief that if I don't have something to offer someone, I will have no value to them Mm -hmm. and they will leave me. Mm -hmm. Or if I let somebody get too close, they will see how worthless I really am and they will leave me. Yes. Right. And we have to be able to slow down enough and have do that personal work enough to be able to catch those things when they come up.
1: Yeah, that's a good example of the personal work that helps you turn towards your partner. Yeah. We can't turn towards and be with if we're not slowing down. Mm-hmm. And we can't turn towards and be with if we kind of don't know um, about our automatic programming that's running in the background and kind of you know, turning us away. Yeah. So that's one of the, yeah, that thing, I think what you're talking about is what I sometimes will talk to clients about, automatic programming. Mm-hmm. You know, it's programming that gets downloaded on our system really early. We're not choosing it.
2: Um, And sometimes we don't
1: even know it's running in the background. Mm -hmm. And if we can slow down and be aware enough of what happens inside, then we can kind of choose. Is this programming helping me right now? Mm
2: -hmm. Is this
1: the way I want to be responding? Mm -hmm. Um, Are there other options I want to keep on the table? And Mm -hmm. free you up to choose a little bit more rather than being on autopilot.
2: Yeah.
1: Um,
0: Yeah. And and then I think being able to communicate those when they're triggered, right? Yeah. Oh, you're triggering my programming and this is what's coming up for me. And I'm, I'm just letting, you know, so if I'm having a hard time connecting right now, that's what's
1: happening. Oh, what you said there is beautiful, right? That is such a great way of sharing it
2: mm-hmm. with
1: your partner. And what I liked about what you said there too, is that that's not saying that you have to change mm-hmm. what you feel. Mm-hmm. It, you're giving an example of how we can just share, yeah. What we feel and what's happening in us. Yeah. And um, I think that's the goal, right? The goal of
0: having that secure attachment is, I mean, even in just saying that my sense was I'm telling the other person, I'm not abandoning you. I'm just having a fear right now.
1: Yes. Yeah. And suddenly, right. You're yeah. not scary, mm-hmm. you know, you are relatable. Yeah. Scared also. Yeah. yeah. To your partner.
0: Turning
2: towards.
1: Yeah.
0: I think you have to have that awareness. You have to slow down Mm -hmm. to do that. And you can do that work on your own or you can do it in individual therapy or in couples therapy or in couples therapy. Yeah. Yeah. We explore those things too.
1: The advantage of couples therapy is you've got the trigger live in the room. So you usually Mm -hmm. have these experiences in the room to slow down and label and practice sharing.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Mm -hmm. Because that's going to happen.
0: And I don't even think we go into relationships realizing how tight it is to our survival. You know, I think that's one of those run in the background programs. But we have all these micro traumas happening. So you, you mentioned repair. Let's talk a little bit about repair. How do, what happens when we have these micro injuries, when we injure this attachment? And how do we repair from it?
1: Yeah, maybe let me talk a little bit about kind of those moments of miss and moments of disconnection. I, mean, I think those little injuries go on a really big continuum yeah. from these little things that happen every day to, of course, things like affairs, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, when people are in crisis and their partner just completely doesn't show up or respond.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but those little misses, you know, do accumulate. And one of the reasons I wanted to come back to it is, that, you know, um, to give some examples around these good intentions, things that were create little tiny injuries, um, you know, fixing and trying to calm your partner while really good personal strategies can actually create misses Mm -hmm. in the relationship. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So you know, um, problem solving, you know, great individual strategy, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but when we use it as our first response to a partner who's in distress, Mm -hmm. it can result in a miss Mm -hmm. that over time accumulates and creates distance. Mm -hmm um so i mean that seems like a funny thing to say i mean that you know prob- not and i'm not saying problem solving is bad all the time but that um it's actually good in lots of ways of course um but when we are you know having a key relational moment where what we need is our partner's presence it gets in the way
2: mm-hmm. of
1: i am here for you mm-hmm. i am wanting to understand you know i can let your feelings impact me so i feel them and that's where it can feel good or bad if it doesn't happen.
2: Yeah,
1: um, those little misses, and then that accumulates, and then we don't turn to our partner, or we turn to them in, you know, more disconnecting ways.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then over time, I mean, that gets to what you're talking about—to these moments of, of more significant conflict,
2: mm-hmm. where
1: there's this, those little relational traumas or relational injuries, and then bigger, bigger ones. Yeah. So the i don't know i don't know if it makes sense to talk about some of the you know the big traumas that have i mean there's two ways i guess in which those misses can have really big impacts one is when it hits on a raw spot or a mm-hmm. sensitivity that's already there
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know when it really speaks to your key fear you know some of the injuries i've seen that were m- took the most you know work to repair were in relationships where one partner maybe came from a background of trauma, had actually developed a really you know a pretty good relationship, had given their trust, Mm -hmm. hard won trust Mm -hmm. to their person, and then something happens where the their person is not there when they needed them. You know it's really touches on that raw spot that was already there, right? They, 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 something else in life had already taught them that people could hurt you and they had sort of tried to give this person a chance. Um, and so it can be almost a seemingly smaller acti- you know, action or situation um, that maybe an outsider would look at and not quite understand why it was so pivotal, mm-hmm. but it, it just speaks to that underlying fear and changes the way the partner sees the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of an example.
0: I mean, what comes to mind for me is the way we make meaning, so again, context, mm-hmm. the way we make meaning of people's behaviors,
2: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. right? Like when we do empathy training with kids, um, we talk a lot about, or with parents to help their kids develop empathy, it's a lot about that person at the cash register where you're checking out was kind of grumpy towards us, what do you think was going on mm-hmm. there, right? Having them look in because that meaning making how we learn to interpret people's behaviors that gets projected onto right our partner right where something as simple as forgetting to feed the dog which is just an action right mm-hmm. becomes a they don't care about the dog they don't care about anything it's all on me right it becomes it's something yeah. so small that in our brain becomes a i'm all alone and i think that's where i go micro trauma Right, yes. it's not somebody's traumatizing you. It's that you experienced it as a trauma, as like I'm all alone, nobody's helping me. Yeah. If I forget to feed the dog, no one's gonna back me up. Yes.
2: Yes. Right.
1: Well, you know, yeah, that that's a that's a good example. of thinking that which brought to mind a you know a couple where partner gets an anniversary.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Super super busy time at work, and he forgot. And the meaning, mm-hmm. in the context of the relationship distress, and in the The partner's history made it so that that sent just an extraordinarily dangerous message. Yeah. You know, that um, you don't care about me. Yeah. I am not important to you. Yeah. Um, And so, of course, yeah, it's like you're saying, it's not the one action, but it's the whole context in which it occurs and the significance that it has for safety.
2: Yeah.
1: For safe and sound. Um, Yeah. The tenth time your partner doesn't come tell you they're going to be late from work after you had a big conversation about it you know five times
2: mm-hmm.
1: um you know, there's a point at which you know we say to ourselves it must be about me yeah yeah it's about me or they don't care
2: yeah
0: well that is about me they don't care about yeah, they don't me care i'm about not me. enough for yeah. them to care yes yes right? yes yes and how painful is that mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. hurtful is that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and it's not that that person is trying to hurt you their brain is in its own place doing its own thing yeah but gosh, that feels so awful when that happens. Mm-hmm. So then we come to the repair piece. And I think that repair piece is important, that training because even if it happens, you know, something that I do take from Gottman that I believe wholeheartedly is that we will have the same fights oh, yeah, over and over and over yeah. again. I mean, I think it takes a lot of work already to change some of this stuff. And so there's things we're going to keep doing. We're going to keep forgetting to feed the dog, mm-hmm. you know, or we're going to keep, Forgetting getting a call because we get really um, hyper-focused at work, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and these things happen, but in a relationship, it feels like it's about the relationship and not just about what that person was experiencing in that moment. So how do we come back and A, feel good enough that we can say, hey, I just get really hyper-focused and my brain just like doesn't even notice the clock, Mm -hmm. right? And have our partner accept that and not attack us or criticize us. Yeah, be vulnerable enough to make that repair.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, that's such a great question. I think, you know, the same model applies to the little injuries as the really big ones. Mm-hmm. Of course, the big ones take multiple, multiple passes. Right. Um, at the repair process yeah. um, to get there. But I do want to give people confidence that, you know, injuries can be pre- repaired. They mm-hmm. can be repaired. And, and you know, and um, sometimes the strength and relationship. You know, it ends up being stronger than it was before the injury. Yeah. Even, um, so, you know, one part of the repair is kind of real. You know, being aware of the pattern
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, that led to cracks in the relationship, that mm-hmm. you know, let in. You know, the, re- the repeated injury, mm-hmm. or in the you know, in the worst case scenario, the you know, the other, you know, turning the turning away. It's important to you know get some sense of how were we turning away what was keeping us from turning towards so that you mean it's like you're talking about that meaning making so that you can feel like you're working together Mm -hmm. to strengthen sort of the boundary the perimeter the bubble of the relationship um that that helps you build that security yeah um but probably even more important to that is um you know or that's a tool for the most important piece which is Gaining the ability to be emotionally attuned with each other, Mm -hmm. Uh, any kind of communication is going to be more effective when it's you know happening with emotional attunement. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk a little bit about emotional attunement? Yeah, yeah. I think almost think about. I mean, I think a a musical metaphor works well. I mean, you can think about good communication and responding as sort of dancing responsive way to your partner but you need the emotional attunement to be the music um where you're you know letting in your partner's emotion Mm -hmm. letting it impact you letting you feel their you know their emotion as well as your own and Mm -hmm. communicating that with your partner Mm -hmm. so that it is this sense of kind of um harmonious um you know emotional syncing up um, yeah That's someplace. a great, yeah, that's yeah. a great uh, metaphor for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, that, yeah, and I like that too, because they're the same beat, but they're not the same song.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but you're trying to tune in mm-hmm. so that you can at least kind of find a beat that you can share Yeah. there. So when your partner is trying to tell you about how forgetting the anniversary made them feel, mm-hmm. emotional attunement doesn't happen. When we start explaining why we did it. why we did
2: mm-hmm.
1: right there you're on different channels
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, um, one is sad, maybe fearful, mm-hmm. and the other is kind of defensive, cognitive, yeah. you know desperate, probably, yeah. right, but it's you're def- not maybe yeah. maybe a different kind of fear, but not tuned in,
2: yeah,
1: um and so. And it doesn't mean wallowing in the emotion forever right these don't have to be hour long you know big conversations Mm -hmm. but there needs to be an effort to give a harmonious response there yeah i can see on your face how much you're hurt this is getting back to what we were talking about earlier, that the confidence and the ability to repair Mm -hmm. really is what builds, strengthens the bond.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So if we learn how to do that when these little injuries happen, Mm -hmm. then we can get back to to safe and connected. Yeah. You know, when these inevitable disruptions do occur. Yeah, because
0: Um, nobody's perfect. We're always going to make mistakes. Yeah, You know, but I also think the more you're able to do these repairs and build up the the belief that your partner's there and they Mm -hmm. love you Mm -hmm. and, you know, they want to be close to you, all those things, you know, the meaning you're going to put on these actions is going to be so different, right? Mm -hmm. You know, an anniversary missed by somebody you already feel doesn't care about you is going to feel so much different from an anniversary missed by somebody who knows under a lot of pressure at work, who is always trying to be there for you. Exactly. Depend on
2: exactly. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: think that's, Mm -hmm. that's perfect. So we kind of already talked about when to go see couples therapy i mean i think see couples therapy as soon as you feel like you're not able to solve a problem yourself yeah And when i say solve a problem i do not mean fix i mean
1: connect connect right? yeah right
0: but what happens or how do we know when is it time to end a relationship and how can we do so in healthy ways
1: mm, that's such a great question i think as couples therapists we are champions of love Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: relationship and i so believe I mean, like i started out this interview talking about how much secure haven secure base how meaningful that is i want everybody to have that and sometimes that means ending the relationship you're in so that you can have it with somebody else yeah um which is kind of as a couples therapist it feels bad for us yeah um yeah yeah, a really hard time with it yeah Yeah. um but i also do discernment counseling um Mm -hmm. which is a you know another studied, researched way of helping couples get clarity and helping them decide whether they're going to do couples therapy. Mm-hmm. And if they decide to do couples therapy, they usually come in with a more clear connection, mm-hmm. um, I mean, a more uh, clear agenda. They're both kind of on the same page about yeah. um, about going forward and, and having expectations about where they want the relationship to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, Your question is, how do you know when to end a relationship? And I think when you can't answer, I mean, the question, right, are they there for me, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: with a maybe, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you've really, really tried, and you kind of can't even get on the same page about what would improve the relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where I see people, you know, even in couples therapy coming to the decision to end the relationship. It's like... They may have two different views of what a good relationship would be. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that can be it. I mean that where um, they really, really want to change their partner. Part of my goal is to try to help people, you know, realize that trying to change your partner is often what gets you in a cycle of yeah. disconnection. And when people can't imagine being in a close relationship with their partner unless they change,
2: mm-hmm.
1: then that's not gonna work out usually. Um, that can be a sign that you, you know there's there's you're not wanting this relationship, even if it improved. Yeah. You know. So in discernment counseling, one of the questions you know that you know do you want to want this relationship? And I've had people say you know I can't find it in myself. Yeah. To even open up to wanting this relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm too hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm too certain that I'm going to get hurt again. Um, And there's no way to help a partnership or a couple be functional if they can't open up and turn towards each other.
0: Yeah. I'm curious as we're talking. I mean, I kind of think this is a... You know it's time to end the relationship when you know it's time to end the relationship. I think it's kind of an internal sense is what I'm getting from you. It's like I can't do it anymore. Like I don't have it in me, and going into a room to try to work on it, I'm not going to work on it because I don't want to. Um, But I also wonder about, um, because I feel like in EFT, we kind of, because of the context piece, we look at toxicity and abuse a little bit differently. Yes we still check for it and we still do, you know, certain things. But can we talk a little bit about how to know if that is happening and, you know,
1: an exit strategy there? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of behaviors that are labeled as abusive can come up as part of the cycle. Mm -hmm. And it is really important for us to say, right, if you're, calling names, if you're yelling at your partner, if you're, th- you know, throwing things. throwing things, if you're pushing and shoving, you know, we can validate that that's not uncommon, mm-hmm. but it's certainly unhelpful. Yeah. I can get that it feels so bad and the energy and pressure builds so much
2: mm-hmm.
1: that, you know, we lose our cool and become the worst versions of ourselves in those moments, mm-hmm. you know, and that has to change for there to be safety in the relationship
2: mm-hmm.
1: um that is a place where they you know we're going to say yeah that's got to change and i'm not changing you mm-hmm. but you know how you reach i've got that's got to have to or how you demand or how you what you do when you're panicking
2: yeah um,
1: you know you're not going to have the closeness you want mm-hmm. if you can't develop some other strategies in those moments it's not it just doesn't work yeah um so we have to name it Mm
2: -hmm. we
1: have to name it and we have to even name it you know when people blame you Mm -hmm. know just lots of blaming and accusation or um character assaults like Mm -hmm. you know you are x y and z i mean even that ends up not being something that's going to be conducive to better communication and um, connection Mm
2: -hmm. with each
1: other And here's what kind of goes back to the question we were asking before, of when do you know it's time to move on to another relationship is if they're not willing to look at it, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: they're not willing to admit that it's not working for them, Mm -hmm. and they won't take in the impact it has on their Mm -hmm. partner. Mm -hmm. So important. I mean, that's kind of one of those prognosticators or those signs of this therapy is going to work or not is Mm -hmm. from the very beginning is can each of these partners understand and take in and feel Mm -hmm. how their partner feels. When their protective actions are happening, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're either shutting down or when you're demanding or protesting, um, how Mm -hmm. that can hurt your partner. You know, and I've had people defend the shutdown Mm
2: -hmm.
1: to the extent that I've, you know, had to say, you know, this isn't going to work. It's easier and clearer when it's abuse, you Mm -hmm. know, and I guess some people have labeled, you know, severe emotional shutdown as abusive because it's kind of neglectful. (laughs) And I'll find sometimes partners are like you know no calm is better emotion is bad.
2: Mm-hmm. My
1: partner needs to see things more rationally. I mean, if they're not going to budge from my way is right, their way is wrong. They shouldn't be bothered by what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Then I don't know. I don't know how to
0: help yeah, them be help
1: closer. I don't know how to help them because be they're closer. already not in a relationship. Yeah,
0: right. They're just on their own already yeah. in that
2: moment. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's a really good. Way of putting it i think accountability that awareness piece that i've been mm-hmm,
2: bringing up mm-hmm. if
0: you can't be accountable to your role and you're not willing to be
2: mm-hmm.
0: that's probably a, a pretty good indicator of where you're at with that relationship
1: yeah yeah i mean sue so johnson talks about healthy dependence
2: mm-hmm.
1: right um that um we're gonna in a relationship we are dependent right we're either gonna be unhealthily dependent or healthily dependent and mm-hmm. that if you kind of aren't willing to be healthily dependent on your person, um, you're going to have a hard time finding safe and sound in your relationship. Yeah. There's yeah. always going to be some element of insecurity. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's risky. I mean, it's not yeah. just right flowers and, no. you know, uh, yeah. candlelight. Um, yeah. It can kind of take risks to turn towards our person, you know, maybe when our bodies are even telling us, no, Yeah, don't do <laughs> it. Everything run away, feels fight, bad. you know, everything feels yeah. bad. But um, yeah. Um, but if you're willing to make that risk, right, so much as possible.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I think, you
0: know, the one little question I'd left to end this out was how to do that, how to end it when it's time to end it. Um, mm-hmm. And my thought is, or what's been coming to mind, even as talking about this, that accountability piece, clear is kind. Clear, clear is kind. Clear kind. Yes. Yep. Like, be yeah. honest. Like, I don't have it in me. I'm sorry. It's, it's not about you're not going to hurt the other person and leaving them. Yeah. It's. Just about that you're going to free them from trying to yes. work on
1: something you're not willing to work on yes. yeah choose your suffering yeah right there's not a suffering free path mm-hmm. um to end a relationship there's no way to end it without both you and your partner feeling pain
2: mm-hmm.
1: and what is the suffering in the service of and can you choose the path and the suffering that's in the service of the future and the life and the person you want to be Oh, my gosh,
0: that's you know? so beautiful and phenomenal. That,
1: that's the way yeah. you said that. that was so
0: perfect. But I think at the end of the day, all of this takes work. I think that yeah. the end of the day message is, you know, it's work. It's work yeah. to leave. It's work to stay. It's work to make it secure. It's work to mess it up, too. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. All of it's hard. Yeah. Um, and
1: and so, it's worth it, though, too, I think yeah, because absolutely. right, that's I mean, we're wired for that.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And
1: since we can achieve more, we can accomplish more when we've got a secure relationship.
0: Yeah, There's not um, a brain researcher out there who doesn't end up at we are wired for connection.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So our whole nervous system is organized around yeah being in relationship with other people. Yeah.
0: So be so. aware of how you are in the connection and, and mm-hmm. be aware of how um, if the way that the connection is happening isn't working for you
2: mm-hmm. and
0: what the options are.
2: hmm yeah.
0: mm-hmm. Well, I think this was yeah. great. Thank you so Thank much.
2: Thank you so you much.
1: Was that was fun.
0: I love chatting about it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us reach more listeners, please share it with someone you know, post about it on social media, and leave a rating or review. To see what's coming next, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Nick Finn Council, or visit our website at finnegancounseling.org. Before I go, I'd also like to thank the people who made this project possible. Our wonderful experts who joined me for each episode, our production team at Three Wire Creative, our editor and production assistant, Giselle Dixon, and the amazing leadership team and supporters at Nick Finnegan Counseling Center in Houston, Texas.
2: Until next time.